Hello everyone and welcome to episode 106 eight. of knowing, 108 of Knowing Wheel. I'm two weeks behind the times as as always, but here we are back again to talk about F1 in the, the depths of the random spring break that we have. Uh, and I'm doing the intro because Matt, who I'm joined by, has uh, got ill again. So do you want to say hello, Matt? Hello, yeah. Um, some of you might have noticed there weren't many videos over the weekend. Uh, if if you watched my F1 manager video yesterday, you'll notice I kind of limped through that one. I don't know what's wrong with me. I've been ill for like a week. Uh, it, it's not the the word you can't say still on the internet, I don't think. Um, but yeah, I, I I'm I mean I might not make it to episode 109. Who knows anymore? Um, but yeah, I might not make it to the next hour anyway. So no, maybe we'll not. See. Maybe not. There will probably be coughs at some point. Yeah, and you're going to go and cut everyone out. Uh, I'm sure. I am. I am. It's fine. I can do um, this. Do we have any housekeeping to do? Or We've do always got housekeeping to do, Jamie. You just always <laughs> forget. If you're new around here and you're watching this on YouTube, there will be timestamps linked down below, of course, if you want to skip. Uh, basically, what we're going to be doing this week is sort of a bit of a recap as to how each of the teams have fared uh, in the first three races of the year. Yes, it's not admittedly that far into the season, but it feels like we've learned quite a lot already. Uh, so we're going to be running through, obviously, each and every team individually, uh, sort of talking about how they've got on at the start of the new season. Um, so yeah, there'll be timestamps linked down below. Of course, check us out Instagram, uh, Twitter, TikTok, everything like that. Uh, I've actually got, Jamie, I've got a new PC coming this week. So it's actually oh, going to wow. enable me. The whole reason why there haven't been many clips and stuff like that recently uh, is just the PC I normally edit this all on is basically dying. So yeah, we're going to hopefully now have stuff coming back and actually well edited. Now it'll actually work properly. So yeah, I make sure that, make sure you give us a follow <laughs> uh, on all the various platforms as well. But before we jump in, then Jamie, with our first team, we, we have got a couple of other bits and pieces to go through, haven't we? Um, interesting mm. news and changes and tweaks and just it's all going on in it. Yeah, definitely. And um, one of the things that's kind of been rumbling since the season started really was the slight change, well, quite a major change actually, to the sprint qualifying format which is, I think, actually quite good. Um, and it's I kind don't. of been spoken about. Yeah, we disagree on this, I'm sure we'll discuss. But the the concept is they don't like... Well, I, I think the reason for the change anyway is that teams don't like the jeopardy of the real race grid being set by another race where stuff can go wrong, <laughs> effectively. Even though stuff can go wrong in qualifying, obviously. But yeah, they're changing it up. So it's going to be a Friday evening Q1, 2, 3 format like we have currently on sprint weekends but that will just set the grid for the grand prix on sunday and then extra we've now another practice session is getting replaced with another q123 with shorter times so effectively the q3 will be a one-shot qualifying uh, and that will set the grid for the sprint race on a saturday afternoon so it kind of separates the sprint element of the weekend from the grand prix element of the weekend completely but I actually quite like it because it means that sprint races should just be crazy because teams have nothing to lose and drivers have nothing to lose. Except for the budget uh, because, cap. Except for the budget cap, so they can't just go and crash the car every week like Mick Schumacher did. Um, but it will mean that teams and drivers have a little more freedom to go for it because it won't, in a sprint race, because it won't affect their grid slot for the real race, I think, anyway. But what do you think? How, why do you think it's bad? I mean, to be honest now, it, like... In the grand scheme of things, of course, we haven't got a points change around for sprint racing either. So effectively now Saturday's all about just battling for, what, eight points, is it? 
Yeah. That's how little we remember about sprint races. I can't even remember how many points it's for. <laughs> it just seems like any kind of value that sprint races had, of course, because they affected the grid for Sunday, is now been completely eradicated. So now we've kind of got two weekends weirdly bundled into one, where one doesn't mean a lot, but the other still means quite a lot. But th- I think the big problem I've still got with sprint races, Jamie, is I can see us getting to Brazil at the end of the year, and... Well, actually, the title will be wrapped up long before Brazil. But the championship's <laughs> going to be decided on a Saturday, and it's going to be really bizarre and just weird and awkward. And I mean, someone's going to win yeah. a world title on a Saturday at some point in the near future. But I just, I can understand, obviously, what you're saying about the sprint races. But it just seems like what they, they, they had very little impact anyway, for the most part. And now they've got even less impact over a weekend. So what's really the point in doing them? And why yeah, well, at Baku kinda... as well? <laughs> yeah, true. Whether maybe practice sessions would be useful at Baku, but we're only going to have one. Um, so, yeah, I think I do agree with you that if I if I ran the sport, I wouldn't have sprint races at all. But given that we do, I think this is a much better way of doing it because it just... Because before, like, the, the previous sprint races in the last two years, like... I don't know, bar the ones with people out of position like Bar Brazil, Brazil both very years. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah, really. Um they've been fairly boring just because you start and then everyone's too scared to go for moves because it's too risky and you're gonna screw over your Grand Prix. So everyone just trains and goes to the end and that's it. So I, mean, I think this will help yeah. make it more exciting. But I'm just trying to think anyway. of course just obviously for the mention there. Um whether like, if the sprint races are going to be so pointless, give them a bit of extra budget, and then Friday night qualifying still sets the grid for Sunday's race, and then just do a sprint race on Saturday with a reverse grid. At least then you're going to get a bit of action. <laughs> yeah, I think F1 teams are massively opposed to reverse grid, to be fair. Absolutely, I would be as well if I yeah. was a good team. Williams, I'd be gimmicky. completely going for it, but not for anyone else. Yeah, yeah. Like, it just, yeah. it's so I don't know. weird. I quite... Let us know what you think in the comments Yeah. about whether you like the new format, whether you like sprint races at all. Um, yeah, I think we've we've put our uh, colours on the mast. So, yeah, no, we'll I mean, knowing my luck, the way these podcasts go, you're gonna it's gonna absolutely you now deliver a banging weekend in Baku in a few weeks. I reckon it will. It probably honest. will now because you're just of for some it won't reason be very pure. No, no, exactly, exactly. And I mean, there's even more format changes apparently coming after that. From Imola, of course, which I think is a... Is it the next race after Baku or is it two races in, after Baku? No, it's a couple later. I think it's around seven or eight. This yeah, year. They're, they're changing the qualifying format as well again. Um, so not only have we now got weird two qualifying sessions some weekends, uh, but Imola and maybe some other weekends, we don't know which. We're now going to see Q1 being mandatory on the hard compound ties. Q2 mandatory on the mediums and Q3 mandatory on the softs, which screws the smaller teams even more. Does it? Yeah. How, how come? Expand. Because occasionally you get the top teams will go out in Q2 on a harder set of tyres to make it through. And now they can't do that anymore, so it's even yeah, more true. just in the so same order. on the same compound. <laughs> yeah, I suppose it does like, I don't know, it means that they have more softs for the race. Yeah, but no, that's like, not the I point. Don't know what... Pirelli are trying to save two yeah. sets of tyres a weekend. Right, yeah, I suppose. I really don't... I don't I don't get the motivation behind this rule. 
Is it just cost saving? Is it like it's trying to make qualifying more exciting by making it more predictable, which doesn't yeah. really make. And I guess tire warm ups will be more difficult, but then that will just lose to two outlaps, and it'll be an absolute mess like normal. I mean, let's be fair. We both know what's going to happen. They're gonna they're gonna say that three weekends this year are going to use this new tire rule, and all of them are going to be a wet qualifying sessions, and then no one knows anywhere whether that it works so or good. not. <laughs> like that's what's going to yeah. happen. I bet they'll do it. Well, what'll happen That'll is they'll, they'll do it at Imola. It'll be a wet qualifying session, so then they'll just have to chuck it in in like Abu Dhabi or something, so it, it won't <laughs> rain, or it's likely not yeah, to rain. Yeah, um, it's just yeah. also bizarre. if it's like if it's a, a wet to dry Q1, for instance, and it's say it's just the crossover point, you've then got to go out on hards, which yeah. will take about ten years to warm up, so it will just defeat. And then that the whole intermediates are still have been quicker than the hards. But the softs would have been yeah. quicker than the intermediates, and yeah, it's it's, it's just going to be a disaster. And honestly, I now kind of Loki <laughs> want to see it uh, after that. Just for yeah, the chaos it will be funny at least. Um, but yeah. yeah, it's all getting a little bit weird and wonderful. I mean, it says a lot when two. I mean, we're pretty diehard Formula One fans, aren't we, Jamie? As hopefully we're going to find out with Jamie's yeah. quiz in just a couple of minutes. Um, oh, no. <laughs> but the fact that even I think we're struggling now to keep up with all the various formats. Like, qualifying works. Yeah. We like qualifying. We tried this before in 2016. <laughs> they changed qualifying. It didn't work. It went back to normal again. Qualifying is still one of the fundamental things that works in Formula 1. Why are we trying to fix it? And if they want more cars on the track on a Saturday, just give us an hour qualifying session like they used to back in the day. No, that'd be rubbish. It probably I would be. You're that. absolutely right. But <laughs> it just like qualifying isn't broken. Stop changing it to make it better. Yeah. We literally had a we had a full season in 2005 where we just threw a load of random qualifying sessions out there and saw what worked. And some of them worked and some of them really didn't. And we landed with Q123 and it was very popular in 06 and we've stuck with it ever since. And yeah, apart from those two races work. in 2016. Yeah, yeah. And it actually does work it's one of very few things in Formula one that everyone can kind of agree on yeah. unless you're the uh owners i guess yeah a- absolutely mad absolutely mad and i think yeah. the final mad thing we have to talk about uh before we then get into our little mini pre-season review is stefano domenicali literally today at the time of recording this has said formula one is looking at at least 25 races in 2024 uh, except for the fact that that's now been said. We've got, what, 23 races this year, haven't we? Shanghai's yeah. meant to be coming back anyway. Um, and now, apparently, there's talks that Kyle Army is basically confirmed. Germany, of course, with Audi coming in, are looking to try and get a Grand Prix back. France, their weird on-and-off relationship with Formula 1, apparently, <laughs> is still churning up the potential. What tracks are we losing? Belgium's now said it's looking very likely to get a another contract renewal it's mm-hmm. the only track in 2023 that hasn't got a contract for next year like where, where yep. what's going on what tracks are we going to drop yeah yeah it's it's complicated it's very confusing i i'm surprised catalonia is still going to be honest i feel like alonso's doing ever well since 2015 yeah but it feels like ever since 2015 we've been like oh this is spain's last year or last few years and then it's gone but no but we're getting rid of the chicane back. Yeah, yeah. At least something's going. Um, I think Mexico is another one, but then Checo's doing well. I think as soon as he goes, that'll oh, be gone. Absolutely, unfortunately. Yeah. Once Checo's gone, um, Mexico's Grand Prix will be shifted into the US. Now I've seven. Yeah, 
yeah that'll, that'll make yeah <laughs> one of each state maybe um yeah it's difficult to really pick out anywhere else isn't it there aren't many it feels like, like are on the chopping block because formula one keeps signing 30-year deals with everyone at the moment yeah exactly. take the money whilst you can i feel like imola imola's a bit of a stopgap but then that's but imola's just signed a new longer term deal yeah like where yeah, do we it's very get confusing. rid of some tracks out of all this i mean this is the thing as yeah. well of course formula one now i mean this was obviously the other thing stefano domenicali confirmed they're looking they're aiming for 30 races a year we've got it on average now one in every what four just under or what just over every one in four has now got a sprint race with it we're looking upwards of like 39 races or 38 races including sprint weekends like how yeah. many podcasts can we make jamie like how bad is this gonna get <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're going to be talking to each other way too much. Yeah, it's just so, like uh, something yeah. is going to have to give at some point. And I mean, let's be fair, if you're like a new smaller team that wants to come in, I know Formula One's not interested in them anymore, but you're going to be looking at that going, <laughs> that's too much. Unless they do yeah, really definitely. change around the schedule to make things work, like having all of the Middle East races together or having all well, of the European of and the US Grand Prix together. Especially that... if they want to be carbon neutral in seven exactly, years' time. Exactly, exactly. I mean, this was the other thing, of course, wasn't it, as well, talking about the calendar next year. Uh, they can only now host one race in the Middle East at the start of the year. Uh, due to, is it, I really don't want to get this wrong because it's horrendous, but I oh, think no. it's because of, um, is it Ramadan? I can't remember. That's horrendous. I think it's because well, of fasting Ramadan. Ramadan. Yeah, it might be because he, like, I know they're based on lunar calendar. Yes, which yeah. Is so they can only host one Grand Prix year. in the Middle yeah. East at the start of the year surely what you do you have australia you have singapore yeah. you have china you have suzuka all there together rather than flying out and flying back around you then go into europe you do all the races there and then you go down towards the middle east you do your however many yeah. races is going to be there and then you fly over to the u.s do all your races there canada in the <laughs> snow mexico yeah, I South feel like America. climate is a, a limiting factor here. It is, completely. Doing the Middle East in July would be quite interesting. Just doing it at night. Um, it gets cold. It's the desert. Not that cold. It doesn't the, the desert, mate. survive during the day as well. <laughs> yeah, the calendar is a topic. We've got three weeks of these these kind of podcasts, so I'm sure yeah. we can bring it up again. And right I, I'm unwell, but, yeah. so I'm granky as well, which doesn't do us any favours. Yeah, yeah, Matt's being very negative so far. but Some of us, some go. of us have got to be the negative ones. So... As we said, you know, we're looking three races in to the 2023 Formula One season. Quite a lot of things have happened so far this year. Red Bull have taken all three race victories. But before we go into that, Jamie, I'm going to do this week's quiz. Interesting. So, Good. it's a pretty, pretty simple one, I feel. Jamie183, we're going to wind the clock back. That's good. We're That's gonna, my strength. We're going to wind the clock back exactly <laughs> ten years. Oh, excellent. To... This, it's pretty simple. This. It's pretty simple this week. You, Jamie183, are going to give me the top 10 in the Drivers' World Championship after three races of the 2023 season, which was the Chinese Grand in order. Prix. Um, Don't give it in order. I reckon I can yeah, do it. Actually, yeah, we'll make it a little bit easier for you, just because then I want an easy quiz next week. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah, so you've just got I to get the top 10 in the Drivers' World Championship Yeah. after okay. Shanghai 2013. Uh, oh, sorry. Cool. Let me get a timer. I'll give you a few have seconds. You got a timer? To think about yeah. It. yeah. Uh, now, now you've now you don't have to get them in the right order. Um, let's have a look. 
timer, timer, timer. I, I, I'll try and do it in order, but I don't, I don't want it to end if I get it wrong. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, one minute I'm going to give you. Okay, nice. Three, two, uh, one, go. This would be wrong straight away, but Raikkonen is uh, correct. Think, leading. No. Uh, Vettel. Correct. Was in the top three. Yeah. Alonso was yep. in the top three. Uh, Mark Webber. Uh, yeah. Surely. Uh, who else was good? Mercedes, Hamilton, Rosberg. Yep. Um, Sutil, I think, did well. Deresta nope. did well in Bahrain. Yep. Uh, Grosjean. Yeah. He had a terrible start, actually. Um, you got oh, two more. Ten, probably not Hulkenberg. Uh, who else haven't I said? Webber. Oh, uh, Massa. Correct. Uh, one more. One more. Uh, Ricardo. Nope. Oh, who else was there? Uh, Sauber, no. Uh, Force India said. Oh, McLaren, Button. Yes. Perez. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Wonderful. All ten. Look at that. Wow, so can you they, try I, and give yeah. me them in the right order then? So, oh, I know Raikkonen had a P1 and a P2, but I think his other result was terrible. So, I would go Vettel. In P1, yeah? Yeah, Correct. Vettel first. Yeah. Then so Vettel was on fifty-two points after the opening three races. Yeah, Raikkonen must have been on about forty-nine. So Spot I'd go on. Next, oh, Raikkonen wow. was on forty-nine. <laughs> I'd go then Alonso because he won one of them. Correct, forty-three for Fernando. I would go probably Weber because he got second place. No, he was down in sixth on just twenty-six one. points. Oh, Half fair. of his teammate. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I've, I wouldn't get many more than that. <laughs> so Hamilton was fourth on 40 points at his new Mercedes team. Yeah. Felipe Massa was fifth on 30 points. Uh, you just mentioned, obviously, Weber was sixth on 26. Nico Rosberg was on 12 points. So Hamilton already had three and a half times the points of his teammate, or three and a third. And zero DNFs compared to at least one, maybe two. I can't remember. <laughs> yeah. Rosberg was tied with Nico on 12 points there. Roman Grosjean was 11. Paul de Resta was on eight. Daniel Ricciardo was on six points, just ahead of Sutton and Hulkenberg. Uh, and I think my favourite bit about all of this was despite the fact Caterham and Russia was still in the sport, after three races, Marmolado was still in 20th. He <laughs> nice. was behind Charles Pete and, and Jules oh, Williams were rubbish, weren't they? Williams were rubbish yeah. in 2013. Yeah. Absolutely spot yeah. on. Fair you did enough. very well there. You did very, very well. Thank you. Let's... 2013, that's my, that's my peak of F1 knowledge. Yes. Yeah, I think that's <laughs> safe to say there. So, of course, it's still... A Red Bull driver, 10 years on, leading the way uh, after the opening three races of the championship, Jamie. I mean, let's be fair. Red Bull, three wins in the first three Grand Prix, Five podiums. The only time they haven't been on the podium so far was Checo in uh, Australia. They've, they've done pretty well, haven't they, so far this campaign? Definitely. That's an understatement, I feel. And, yeah, they seem to have no real weakness other than, I guess, the issue in qualifying for Verstappen. Because and one in the would race. argue that the yeah the race wasn't plain sailing, but he still got P two, didn't he? Yeah. So, um, but yeah, the the reliability in Jeddah qualifying was the only major blot on their uh, copybook. But yeah, the Perez issues in Australia, I would put more down to driver error, not getting used to the brakes quick enough to drive a car properly. Um, but yeah, they've got an absolute rocket ship. They're going to win the title, both titles. So it's a, it's a little bit of a shame for the sport, but. I mean, I kind of think dominance is 
the norm in F1, and we've been yeah. treated in the last few years. People kind of forget that. I mean, we, I mean, we say in the last few years, it was literally 2021. Yeah, like, and in 2022, pretended for three races. Y- not yeah, at the start of the year, <laughs> but really, we kind of all knew that what was going to happen. Um, I mean, yeah, Red Bull, like we said, I think the, they haven't really got a rival, have they, at the moment? Their rival is just trying to get a few reliability gremlins uh, worked out, but yeah. yeah, it's looking like an easy championship walk uh, for probably Max Verstappen uh, and, of course, the Milton Keynes-based squad. Biggest improvers, though, this year. Of course, after three races in 2022, they were last in the championship. Aston Martin, P2 overall at the moment, Jamie, and they've had three yeah. podiums with Fernando Alonso, the only driver alongside yeah. Verstappen. I've lost you. Hello? Oh, no. Can you hear oh, me? Back. You're wonderful. Yes, I can. That was great. I don't know what you led me on to, so but I, also I, Aston Martin are doing very well. I think, yeah. So <laughs> I, I just said, of course, that Fernando Alonso, of course, is the only driver to have got a podium in every Grand Prix alongside Max Verstappen. That being said, though, yes. you could make the case that, you know, all three were a little bit lucky. Obviously, Aust- a little. Uh, well, Bahrain. We'll say goodbye to our Spanish viewers. Yeah, exactly. Bahrain. Charles Leclerc was looking pretty comfortable for that P3, wasn't he? Let's be fair. Definitely. He was absolutely going to Saudi, obviously, had the penalty removal. I think that was fair enough, though. They were looking like a decent package that weekend. And then, of course, Australia Mercedes did look to have the better of them until George's Russell... uh, George's Russell? George's engine. George's Russell? (laughs) George's engine, sorry, uh, decided to go bang. Um, But that being said, you've got to be there to pick up the pieces. And Fernando Alonso has been doing that all year long. And... Must also be mentioned, Lance Stroll has nowhere near been as good. Was unlucky in Bar. But he's not been bad. He hasn't been horrendous, has he? Was unlucky, sorry, in Saudi with the engine failure, and probably shouldn't have scored in uh, Australia. But neither should Fernando. No, no, and I think they've they've had an excellent start. It's a very like it seems like a car that's easy to work with. Like they've not really had any issues. Uh, they've hit the ground running basically every weekend, which is obviously a lot. It's so much easier to work with for a driver, um, especially when you put Alonso in the car. It will just galvanise the whole team as well. Um, so, yeah, I think they can't complain at all. <laughs> Obviously, three podiums in a row and when they've only had a handful of podiums in the last, well, in their whole career, really, since becoming Force India. Um, other than 2020, I guess they were up there. But, yeah, I think excellent, excellent stuff from Aston Martin. And... I kind of don't expect them to finish P2. I know we both put them fourth in our preseason predictions. I think they probably will end up having the fourth fastest car by the midway point of the season, but it's whether they can kind of use this momentum they've got and hold on. And I do think having Alonso in that team is such a an asset, so that should help them all the way, really. So if you had to put money on it right now, then where are Aston Martin finishing in 2023? I'd probably say third at this point. Behind Mercedes. Behind Mercedes. Okay, fair yeah. enough, fair enough. I think that is a very, very wise and safe prediction early yeah, on as in always. the year. And I mean, obviously, <laughs> we'll, we'll immediately then go down to Mercedes in P3. Of course, Lewis Hamilton are picking up their first podium of the year. You know, there has been a little bit of a shaky start for Mercedes once again. You know, there was a lot of hype up uh, at, around, obviously, the new, or sorry, the not new uh, side pod concept, of course, that they were rocking for a second year. You know, without the porpoising, was it going to make the big difference? The answer's not quite been where we all expected it, but apparently the W14B is in the works. Will it make up all the difference? Probably not. 
But no, yeah, probably not. I, I do see us in a situation later on in the year where they can kind of hassle Red Bull sometimes and make their life difficult in the same way Red Bull have been able to do to Mercedes in the past. Yeah, yeah, because you kind of think Red Bull will bring the kind of the early season upgrades that are already in the works, but then they'll have the, the title buttoned up eight races in. So you imagine they won't really bother, especially with their limited uh, wind tunnel time, and yeah. obviously they're going to stick to a cost cap this year because there's no reason really not to. So, yeah, I think they'll they'll certainly close the gap, but more than winning races, obviously, they're not going to... I wouldn't say now they're going to win a title or anything like that, but... No. I think a comfortable P2 finish would definitely be a step forward because last year they were obviously third and this season they probably started with the fourth fastest car in Bahrain. So we shall see. But yeah, they, they've got probably the strongest lineup on the grid in terms of drivers yeah. and they seem to still be working together very well. So yeah, no, it has... there's a lot to smile about for Mercedes. Yeah, I think there's there's still a lot of questions and eyebrows being raised. But of course, Lewis, you know, he's been mighty consistent. He's been really dependable, hasn't he? in these opening three Grand Prix. That being said, though, still yet to out-qualify George Russell on a Saturday, um, but yeah. I don't think has finished behind him yet on a Sunday. Um, so Hamilton has been looking mighty consistent, of course, at the moment. Currently sat P4, isn't he, in the Constructors' Championship, as yeah. well in the Drivers' Championship, even. Um, but could, you know, him and Fernando battling for that best of the rest, you know, there could be a little bit of tension really there good. Really uh, later exciting. on in the year. <laughs> Bahrain, as you said, they were probably a little bit off the pace still. They were probably the fourth fastest car that weekend. Uh, Jeddah, they seemed to be a lot closer, but I think that was more Ferrari struggling. Uh, but Australia definitely was their best pace so far, wasn't it? Uh, and of course, yeah, the yeah. It, it's looking now like they've basically confirmed that the zero side pod concept is going to get binned off next year, uh, which I think as a Mercedes fan, I can say thank God for that. It only took them 18 months to realise that an F1 car needs side pods. Helpful, is helpful, some, isn't it? Some insight right there. Um, Ferrari then, Jamie. Where do we start with them? <laughs> they are an absolute state, I think. They are... Oh, it, it's it's almost laughable at this point how, how predictable this season has begun for them. Um, obviously, you've got one superstar driver who's getting really disillusioned and one second driver who's a little bit too big for his boots and also a little bit inconsistent so i can't work out which one you mean for which there which one's which (laughs) we've kind of seen it before with ferrari haven't we like you've got yeah leclerc is the embodiment of vettel of alonso like they get they've been there five years and they suddenly realize this organization is is draining to work in (laughs) and just the combination of bad management, bad strategies, bad reliability, and the pressure of leading that team with the pressure from Italian media is huge. And it does take its toll on the drivers, and they always begin to make some mistakes, like we saw with Leclerc last year. So, yeah, I think it's it's a rough time to be a Ferrari fan. I think, obviously, when they're always going to end up... Yeah, true. They're always going to end up... Even with Ferrari's bad years, they always end up on the podium every now and then and still are able to bounce back very fast. They've obviously got a huge budget and a lot of pedigree. So Huge budget doesn't mean anything I don't think, anymore. Well, exactly true. But um, they can still pay people a lot of money to be get the best engineers because wages don't count in the budget cap. Only the top um, three members of staff, though. If anything, all oh, the budget cap's done is shown how much Ferrari literally 
we well, away money. By the money <laughs> like the fact they could throw yeah. so much money and problems all the time to beat teams with half or a third of their budget. Now they can't do that. It's effectively now Ferrari are on like the operating equivalent of forty million quid because <laughs> they've had so much yeah. more money than everyone else for so long. It's now like they're running on a sixpence and a threepence eighty. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's rough, but I think Fred Vasseur has got his feet under the table almost, and he's gonna probably start making a lot of changes. Um, you'd expect with how poor it's been. You'd hope so, so wouldn't you? You'd really hope so. Yeah, I I do expect a lot of things to be shifting at Ferrari, and you kind of hope they would, otherwise they're gonna end up finishing fourth this season. Yeah, I mean, I think we're both pretty invested in the idea that they're probably gonna finish fourth anyway. Uh, probably, yeah, yeah, I expect. Um, but that being said, they have had okay pace apart from in Jeddah. Like the uh, yeah. science race was screwed by the red flag and then screwed by himself at the very end in Australia. Um, and in Bahrain, they were going to get a podium and a P five probably until the uh, the issue for Leclerc the reliability, which obviously goes hand in hand with driving a Ferrari. Yeah, I mean, worst three races to start the year since twenty. No, worse than twenty fourteen, wasn't it? I think. Was it worse than twenty? Oh yeah, they got a podium. They got second place twenty twenty, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. It's wow. just awful, wow. awful for Ferrari it's rough. so far. And it, I, there is and a little Leclerc bit. Leclerc is behind. Yeah. Behind who? Norris and Hulkenberg in the championship, which yeah. is quite funny. It does make me wonder just how differently the first three races would have gone had they got that podium in Bahrain. Ferrari feel more than any other team like a momentum-based organisation. And I wonder whether that yeah. failure to get a podium at the start of the, oh, excuse me, start of the year has completely derailed them. But, I mean, really for them, the question is, can they hang on to Mercedes and Aston Martin? I think sensibly. They've got certainly yeah. the driver lineup to do it, but it's whether they're capable or not. Yeah, definitely. And... The drivers are, but I don't know if the organisation structures are. Yeah. We will see. We, we certainly will. I mean, the, the team that probably have had the opposite start to the year to Ferrari in many ways. Of course, definitely not fifth fastest by the first three races standards, <laughs> but have somehow lucked their way there anyway. Of course, it's McLaren, best of the rest, despite having an awful car. What, what do we make of it? Yeah, and two weeks ago we wrote them off and saying they're going to finish 10th. Well, no, we didn't say they'd finish 10th. We just didn't see a way no. they'd catch Alpine. And then they did immediately. Yeah. yeah. So the car is shocking. I think there's no two ways about it. But Australia did show a bit of light at the end of the tunnel, even if it was massively like benefited by the safety car. Even the red flag, sorry. Even without that red flag, Norris was still finishing eighth, I think. Um, so what? If you take out the top four teams, he was finishing effectively second best of the rest behind Gasly. So that's that's a promising sign. I think Norris is probably the best driver in that midfield. Oh, absolutely! Uh, now that Alonso's Alonso's graduated, I say he's. So, oh, do I say he's better than Fernando? That'll get some hate, <laughs> won't it? <laughs> yeah, definitely don't say that. Um, and yeah, the car the car is trash, especially the first two races. It was it was awful. Well, yeah. Although saying that, Jeddah they got horrifically unlucky. Yeah. Um, but yeah, both drivers will absolutely bail them out because I think Norris, as we know, is a top driver in a very, very bad car. And Piastri has been not that far off him so far. So he's got a bit about him as well. 
which is nice. Yeah, I think McLaren have certainly still got the potential there, and I think now they've kind of been given that springboard, haven't we? You know, I think we'd said after Jeddah uh, that they were probably going to have to do a bit of a reset after the Australian Grand Prix, and now they've kind of gone, well, hey, we're resetting from best of the rest. We're great, yeah. lads. And everyone yeah, else is yeah. going, how on earth are you there? <clears throat> um, but you know what? Fair play. They're, they're doing it, and I think they've given themselves the best reset they possibly could um, because effectively now they're playing Alpine from in front of them by pure yeah. luck. <clears throat> I still think they'll lose to Alpine. Oh, most likely, I reckon. Most likely. But I think P6 would, you know, it would be an okay recovery given where they were in, in Bari. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of Alpine, though, as we said, definitely I think we can both agree fifth fastest car so far this year. Um, of course, nowhere near the big four teams. But prior to Australia, where things went a bit peat tong, they had been picking up good results and getting the points where they needed them. Yeah, and you say nowhere near the big teams. Australia, Gasly was hanging with them, but I yeah. guess that was mostly down to DRS. Yeah. But um, yeah, I certainly think operationally they're they're doing all right, but. Obviously, they've got higher expectations than being best at the rest. They want to make the lump, the, the, lump, yeah. the jump that Aston Martin have done. Exactly. But, yeah. Yeah, I think they've been solid. Bahrain, double point. Uh, was it double points? Yeah, Gasly was 10th at the end, wasn't he? No, Gasly just scored then, a point. Ocon didn't. He had, like, eight penalties. Oh, yeah, true. I forgot about that. Um, and then Jeddah, again, double points, I think, there too. Yes. And, yeah, Australia, they're on for, what, fifth and tenth. And then... It all went wrong. Then they the hit each other. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think that maybe is probably maybe a marker for the rest of the season. I loved the way politically the team were like, right, Ocon, you cannot complain because Gazi's one penalty point away from a ban, so we're not going to the stewards. I mean, I don't think the stewards are going to ban Gasly anyway. To be honest, no, I, I, I think don't that think we're, we're not at a stage in Formula One at the moment where we've got any renegades like that. We haven't got a Maldonado or a Grosjean character in the sport at the moment, and people no, will go on about how good Grosjean was, but he wasn't. He was still pretty crushed <laughs> in three races, a lot of the he time. He was very good on occasion, in the same way Maldonado was very good on very few occasions. They were both pretty reckless and most of the time not very good. I think genuinely the only driver I can see them potentially dissing out a race ban to is probably Magnussen. Uh, but obviously he's nowhere near he's the points. He's a dangerous. Yeah, he's nowhere near the points yeah. limit at the moment. Yeah, yeah. And we don't know enough about the rookies, I guess, to see how reckless they are. But they weren't that reckless. Well, Nick DeFries is quite so. an old. Oscar Piastri is a good kid. And Logan Sargent's just Logan Sargent, I suppose. Yeah. Um, yeah. P7, but, uh, Jamie. Who are we talking about? Another team, Alpine. I oh. would say, that are doing better than I expected. Maybe yeah. thanks and a certain to driver. Nico Hulkenberg. Who you need to put some respect on his name right now. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I've been I've been very happy with how Haas have started. I think the, the weird thing is, you've kind of got, like, obviously we've spoken, you've kind of got the top four, then Alpine, then the bottom five and the bottom five i feel like are going to be so interchangeable for the rest of the season in terms of pace on a one like race to race basis so i don't know Haas have kind of been there or thereabouts seventh eighth fastest and i think that's kind of where we expect them we said it a lot in pre-season the independents the independent teams they're not going to beat these huge manufacturers that often 
but when they do it's a real like that's what they live for like the pole position in Lagos. and yeah the the p uh p7 as it was in in australia which should have been a p3 but i'll uh i'll not mention that too much this episode um yeah was kind of what hulkenberg returned for and magnuson obviously got the point in Jeddah in a much more normal race but even without the red flag hulkenberg was getting probably ninth in in australia um and that's kind of where you got to be to pick up the the scraps in those mental races yeah uh, yeah and i and mean yeah i think Haas can be very happy with themselves so far i think we i remember pre-season going back to that I think obviously you kind of are hyped up Hass a bit more, obviously because Hulkenberg was going there and all this, that, and the other. I'd sort of said I think their battle was going to be more with Alpine, but uh, sorry, Alfa Romeo behind them. Seven points against six. Really, those two teams are at the moment still fighting for best of the Ferrari customers, aren't they? Um, mm. But of course, you know, we'll talk about them a bit more in just a second. Will we see Alfa Romeo potentially getting a little bit of Audi funding coming in now? Uh, because they, they've just not kicked on early on this season. Um, but yeah, obviously, like we said, obviously we're talking about Haas just very briefly. Uh, Hulkenberg's been mega over one lap as well. I think he's been in Q3 in two of the three Grand Prix, Twice. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And um, it's 3-0 against Magnussen. He is 3-0 against which... Magnussen. But Magnussen, on two of those occasions, has a better race pace. Uh, well, Bahrain Hulk got damaged, so I'm, I'm ruling that one out. No, of course you are. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's. I think it's quite well matched. Those two really. Yeah. Uh, one lap has always been Hulkenberg's strength. In There's so many career, points so... available for Saturday. Well, there is now that we've got now on a sprint, sprint weekend races. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So I think it will be a closely fought battle between those two. But I'm glad that Hulk has a leg up. <laughs> He's got six points. Kind I'm of sure you are. Gifted a five point buffer. Which could yeah, be a lot yeah. this year for those smaller teams. It probably teams. will be a lot when you're, you're fighting for ninth, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, Alfa Romeo, Jamie, where do we start with them? Again, another team, a yeah. bit like Ferrari, isn't it? Where this time last year, we were singing their praises. And I think it's something mad. Like, they've scored points in five of the last 16 Grand Prix Or something ridiculous. Yeah. Now, Bahrain, they looked pretty good. And I'm pretty certain since Barbara, we haven't actually seen them on TV. Bottas has had two races where he's just been in the middle of nowhere, uh, at the back of the field. Yeah, very poor. Zhou Guanyu hasn't, obviously, you know, he did well in Bahrain to take that fastest lap bonus point away. Um, but they're just not doing anything, are they? What's going on? They need, really. they need some Audi money. Yeah, yeah, I think the car is difficult to get on top of. I think seeing what Joe has been posting on instagram and stuff like that it's kind of very unpredictable one session to the next um which in the midfield when the margins are so tight is going to really really scupper you um and i don't think bottas is really on top of the car he's been too busy like living his australian dream um over the winter gonna be retired uh, i reckon so come the end of the year that's my call genuinely because it's he's out of contract isn't he it's only a two-year deal i can't so, remember i can't remember if it was two or three yeah yeah two races out of three joe has been the faster driver um, I think it's 2-1 to Bottas in qualifying. Maybe I believe so. Um, but yeah, I think I'm glad that they're closely matched. Obviously, I'm a Joe fan, so I'm glad that he's uh, going to keep Teo Porcher out the seat for another year. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, I think the car is really not there, but Joe did very well to get the points uh, from the back of the grid in Australia. And obviously Bottas in Bahrain, which has always been quite a strong track for Sauber in the past, uh, especially Alfa Romeo. Um, yeah, we got our eighth. Was it eighth in Bahrain? It was. Um, so yeah, I think 
likewise with Haas, they're going to be kind of picking up the scraps on their strong weekends and getting two points in Australia is probably a good start. And obviously the four in Bahrain to go with it. So they'll be fighting for P7, P8, those two. Yeah, I think certainly it's going to be the battle between them, isn't it? And then, of course, we move back uh, to our bottom two teams, which I'm pretty certain we have both of these two, didn't we, uh, at the bottom of the championship in our preseason predictions. Alpha Tauri and Williams, I guess we can kind of just bundle them up a little bit. Um, Alpha Tauri, of course, seem to be slower than Williams over one lap. Um, but still, Williams just cannot build a race car for whatever reason. It's still, we've spoken about this for so many years now. Williams build a car with good numbers, but as soon as a gust of wind comes, as Alman <laughs> found out in Australia, it just, they have not got a good stable car, have they still? A consistent car, which of course you need in Formula no. 1. Because if you've got no idea what it's going to do, then you're going to struggle. Yeah, and a race is 56 laps, there and thereabouts. So... Yeah, being good over one lap and not over 56 is a problem. But, yeah, should we talk about Afatari first? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I think their car is terrible, to be honest. Um, but we kind of expected that, didn't we? Because, yeah, I think they've been taking a few gradual steps back ever since 2021 at the end of that regulation cycle. And we do see this often with Afatari because, obviously, they're not designed to win races or win championships. So they're often left at the bottom and it's kind of those random years like 2021 or 2020 or 2008 where they just randomly are good and this is not one of those years so yeah it's a shame but i do think also they're not helped by probably the weakest lineup on the grid i think we agreed on that in pre-season so yeah they've snowden's done all right to to be fair to him um as you'd obviously two p11s two p11s and a p10 uh to start the season isn't ideal which leaves him, what, P9 in the championship? No. And Sargent has been... Oh, sorry, the team, yeah. The team, yeah, not Sonoda. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then Sargent's been kind of a typical rookie in my mind. He had, he had a, a solid uh, Bahrain debut. I think rookies often are good when the pressure's on them in race one. And then since, it's been a little bit mistake-ridden. So that's a shame for him. And Jeddah qualifying was an absolute mess and he never really recovered. And then the... Uh, Australia was he was just kind of nowhere and then at the end he just uh, killed wait no he got, he got sergeant yeah I'll say you've got completely the wrong driver there haven't you Tauri. no yeah I have De Vries sorry not sergeant shows how much attention I've been paying knowing wheel <laughs> <laughs> forgetting completely who drives for who but here we go um, De Vries has been incredibly unspectacular to me <laughs> I mean, but we'd kind of we said killed. this, hadn't we? Obviously, when yeah, he had yeah. that race in Italy last year and then Alfa Tauri scrambled to get him signed, we were both kind of there going, yeah, it seems like it's a bit overplayed. You know, good track for the car, yeah. pretty easy track. Um, but I think, you know, for Yuki, don't get me wrong, very, very happy for him. Of course, he really needed to come in and assert himself as the number one within that team. Of course, now Marco's banging on about how he might get the Red Bull seat in the near future. <laughs> Not sure I believe that one, but, you Don't know, it, it, it is what it is. Um, but has sort of led that team, which I think was really, really important. Of course, I think the big one, isn't it, now, uh, is, of course, Liam Lawson winning that Super Formula race, debut Super Formula race. It's a mad list. I don't know if you've seen this, of debut races in different series that Liam Lawson has won in actually haven't no. so he's won like now Lawson, so I'm a fraud. he's won now in Super Formula on debut Formula 2 on debut 
European Formula Open on debut, DTM on debut, and I think it was either European or Formula 3 as well. Every series he seems to come into, he wins on his first weekend. So I wonder whether being away from Formula 2 is going to help him in probably a less competitive grid to make him look better. Um, Because, of course, if he can string together a good Super Formula campaign, I think... Alpha Tario will give him a year. Probably if I was picking at the moment in place of Nick DeFries. Yeah, I think I agree with that. And I'm glad because I think Leon Lawson deserves a shot at F1. I think his, his luck in F2 was horrific ever from the point, ever since the point I chose to follow him. So, yeah, as it goes usually uh, <laughs> when I pick a junior driver to support. But, yeah, I, I do like, I really like Liam Lawson. I hope he gets a shot in F1. Um, and he's had a good start to see Formula. So, yeah. Hopefully, I've just had a look down the list. Uh, the uh, Kamu Kobayashi races in Super Formula, which is nice. He does, he does. You're absolutely uh, right. As does Nobuhari Matsushita. Yep. Chembolok Bassi, yep. which is a bit weird, and Giuliano Lacy. Yeah. So Giuliano Lacy's been there for years. Mediocre names. Just yeah. always remember when you mention Giuliano Lacy, Jimmy, you have to mention the fact. Remember, his dad <laughs> sold his road legal Ferrari to fund to his son's fund his career. junior career. Yeah. Yeah, you have you to. must you have wake to up in the morning and just think I could have a Ferrari, but I got like still I got a mediocre kid kicking about in Japan. <laughs> in Japan. Um, <laughs> anyway, we've gone very off topic very quickly there. Last but not least, I mean Jamie's already spoke about them. I've already spoiled it. Logan Sargent at Williams, of course, he's he's not been bad in my opinion. I think you've given him quite a bit of stick there, uh, but I think the pace has been a lot better. Of course, he's still a rookie. Williams is probably the yeah. best team to give him, you know, a bit more time to learn. Uh, Albon, of course, has been very, very good over. Oh, excuse me, over one lap, um, but not so much, obviously, again because of the car itself over the race. But I think Sergeant is getting there. Yeah, definitely, and I think, uh, yeah, he's obviously got many rough edges. I think Williams themselves admitted that it was kind of they are not the not the first choice to put him in F one this soon. I don't but, think he's done badly, um, though. I think, to be honest... No, he's not done that badly. I think we've kind of got to this point now, haven't we, again, in Formula 1. And this was another point that I wanted to raise at some point, not even necessarily this week. Obviously, we kind of went through a bit of a wild stage, didn't we, in F1 a few years ago, where it was very much try and get drivers up and they sink or swim. Do we think now, because F1 is so profitable, that teams now don't want to take the risk on young drivers in case they have a bad year? Because I think Haas is probably the best example of that in recent times. Of course, different... Yeah context as well of course but are teams now more likely to pick a more experienced driver over one with more potential well i think that's exactly the predicament Haas were in last year wasn't it with picking between schumacher and hulkenberg so yeah i think just the way the cost cap is kind of you got you kind of got to get a safe pair of hands and it's no good having the grosjeans the maldonados who might pick you up a random really good result and then every other race just trashed the car up. So, I mean, does this also you know, mean that the cost cap helps eliminate pay drivers? Well, a little bit, you'd think, because obviously teams are less in need of Most mega money. Most teams now can pretty much less, get to the budget cap, yeah, can't they? Interesting. Less e- lower ceiling. Yeah, interesting. And I think taking it all the way back to 2013, you'd rather have a Jensen Button in your car than a Sergio Perez at the time for McLaren at that point. So, yeah, it's interesting. It's definitely interesting, but hopefully, I mean, this has gone very off topic, but the rookies coming into the sport since 2021 have been a lot more creditable. 
understand. We did go through yeah. a real dog do a couple of years, didn't we? Yeah. Where the only yeah. rookies that were coming through were poo. Um, but I mean, yeah. but then again, that being said, of course, twenty nineteen we had three of the best rookies come through. Well, two and Alvin, but still, um, <laughs> he's he's doing all right now, wow. I suppose. Um, but Jamie, I mean, I think you know we we could talk about winners and losers so far this year. Big winners, really, aren't they? Are Aston Martin. Uh, and Red Bull, and technically, I suppose you could claim McLaren from where they should be. Um, big losers, Ferrari, Mercedes, I would argue, still, uh, and probably Alfa Romeo, isn't it? I think are probably the ones to say. Yeah, yeah, I think so. So, my final question to you then, Jamie. One team, of course, from now, that you think either forward or backwards is going to move the most positions in the championship by the end of the year. <laughs> I really don't think. Uh, I don't expect that much change. Really. Nor do I. I would go for McLaren backwards. I'm guessing to drop down. Yes. How many I places? Think they will go behind Alpine. Okay. And I think they could go behind Haas or Alpha as well. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. I don't really expect much more movement than that. No, that is fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> to be honest, I think McLaren was going to be mine, team? so I'll say Mercedes will ah. move up past Aston Martin. Um, nice. Yeah. That's very, very boring. I think McLaren will finish sixth, though, come the end of the year. Yeah. I don't think they'll get jumped by Haas and Alpha. Uh, to be honest, it would not surprise me if the points they scored last weekend will be enough to keep them ahead <laughs> between now and the end of the season <laughs> to be really, really boring. But I think that's wrapped us up then, Jamie. I don't think we've got anything else to go through, have we? I don't think so. We've done pretty no. well there for the most part. Let us know. Down in the comments below your thoughts and feelings on all of this. If you've got any stories you'd like us to go through, whether it's from current Formula 1 uh, or past years as well, I'm sure we can talk about a few little random bits and pieces uh, during our mid-season break. Of course, this week should have been the Chinese Grand Prix preview show, um, but of course that's not happening. Thank you all so much for listening. If you have enjoyed, please do make sure you leave a like, get yourself subscribed as well, and we will be back next week then, ready with more miscellaneous knowing wheel. <laughs>